The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, before we get into today's content, I have to tell you guys about this event that's coming up because, first of all, crazy, ridiculously affordable tickets starting at $25. That's insane. July 15th and 16th. It's for you. How do I know? Because you're listening to Build Your Tribe. It's the Instagram Summit, which is powered by ManyChat. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, like I said, if you own a business, you definitely want to be a part of this. It's going to be countless experts and strategists, not just myself. It's a two-day event focusing on everything you need to know to maximize your Instagram marketing campaigns. They're also going to teach you a lot of things about how you can automate what you're doing on Instagram. It's huge. So get the latest on Instagram growth, Instagram, and e-commerce. A lot of you are at a stage right now where you've got two choices. You can spend a lot more time trying to grow your Instagram, or you can understand how affordable it is for you to advertise, like you're going to make money. Deep dive workshops, 10 different experts, including yours truly. So I want you to be there. We're going to cover the tactics that help you to generate qualified leads and automate this stuff. You can carve out your Instagram messages and the responses that you're sending to people, your words, but far easier to do this with effortless automation. Y'all, you need to be here. It's igsummit.com. Again, July 15th through the 16th. Tickets starting at just $25. What the heck? All right, get yourself registered right now. IGSummit.com. What's going on? Y'all are going to be so excited to hear this interview today. So oftentimes I'm asked, especially by listeners of the Build Your Tribe audience, should I self-publish my book? Should I even worry about getting a book deal? Like, when do I need to write a book? Do I need to write a book? How long does it take? What does that look like financially? How do I get a book deal? Like all these questions about writing a book. And I've done quite a few episodes about this and even talked about how to self-publish, but I'm not the expert. And you know who is? His name is Chandler Bolt. And today, Chandler is here on the show. He is the CEO of Self-Publishing School and selfpublishing.com. He himself is the author of six best-selling books, including his most recent book titled Published. Now, he's got a great story. At 20 years old, he dropped out of college. He's also someone with ADHD, and he has grown this business to $26 million by age 27. Y'all, this interview is going to be great because we're going to give you answers, honest answers to all of your questions. And, you know, it isn't a yes or no, or a, you should do it this way or that way. But what he does for us today is explain, okay, if you're in this situation, yes, you should self-publish. And if you're in this situation, well, then maybe you might want to use a publishing house. I'm really excited that I had the opportunity to interview Chandler. Without further ado, Chandler Bolt of selfpublishingschool.com. Well, welcome to Build Your Tribe, Chandler. I am super excited to talk to you because first of all, Writing books is something a lot of people in our audience want to do and need to do. 
And the big question everybody has always is, should I self-publish? How do I self-publish? And how in the heck am I going to do this with ADHD? So literally, who could be a better guest than you? (laughs) I'm excited. We were talking, (laughs) I'm a C-level English student and a college dropout that ended up writing books. And we both have ADHD. So I think there's some similarities there and using it as a superpower to write a great book. Yes. Now, the first question I want to ask you is with ADHD, how is it then you ended up being like the guy to go to for other people to figure out how to write a book? Like, how did you even focus enough to write your first book? (laughs) Well, yeah. So, I mean, it kind of all started with my brother and I, I don't know if you knew this, but my brother plays in a Grammy nominated rock and roll band called Need to Breathe. Oh, you know that song with Carrie Underwood like a couple weeks ago and we're on the CMTs and all that stuff. So he went out in the world as a musician, me as a business guy. And then we went out in the world and realized, hey, we feel like we learned these things that we thought everyone knew, but we learned these things from our parents that we thought everyone knew, but then we got out in the real world and realized, hey, no one gets taught this stuff. And so we kind of had this call and we said, hey, we should write a book on this. And it'll be your perspective as a musician, my perspective as a business guy on kind of these 15 things. What was the title of it? It's called Breaking Out of a Broken System. Wow. It's a great concept. Thanks. And so we, we feel like, okay, Breaking Out of a Broken System means not following the mold that everyone else is telling you you have to follow. Mm-hmm. And you know, he did that as a musician and me as a business guy. So we wrote and published the book. It did decently well. We gave all the money to charity and still do. And so it was kind of a fun project for charity. And that kickstarted into people started asking me, hey, how are you doing this? What year was this, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, man, this was 2013, maybe. Okay. So we've got social media, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, mm-hmm. right? How did you guys move that first book? Yeah. So there's a few things. And one of the pillar things that we teach people now in self-publishing school is, is a launch team. And so a small group of people that support your launch, we had probably a hundred people on the launch team. And that was just, I mean, it's like in the music world, that's your street team, right? It's like the people who are going out and telling people about the band and all that stuff. And so you just translate it here for books. And so that's what we did. And I mean, that just worked like crazy. These were ambassadors for the book. And then we, you know, did a lot of the other stuff, which is just, you know, scrapping for reviews, podcast interviews. We were in like the K-Love app. Like, you know, this is like these different things and music connections and stuff like that. So a little bit of an unfair advantage with my brother's band. But (laughs) I mean, it was the second book that I published. And so I'd actually published one right before that. And that there was no connections or no anything. So it was social media, getting people to vote on covers, getting people invested in the process, like kind of all those things. And again, this first book was self-published, correct? Yes, ma'am. And what factored into your decision? Because I know this is the question everyone has, like, do I self-publish or do I try to find someone who will sign me? Yeah. So, you know, for us, it was a factor of speed and wanting control of the process. And just we're like, hey, we're going to sell this. Publisher's not going to sell the book for you, right? No, they and they are not today for sure. (laughs) I'm assuming that we're both in agreement on that fact. Like, it doesn't matter who you have behind you that you as the author will be selling the the book. Yeah. You have to sell the book. You have to market the book. Most authors think, oh, a publisher is going to market it for me, or I'm going to pay someone to do the marketing wrong. No one cares about your book as much as you do. And so you've got to market it. And, and I mean, I guess to maybe zoom out a little bit for, as just more of a kind of a blanket way to look at this. There's like, there's three or four main differences. 
it used to be the bottleneck was distribution, right? And this is where it's really interesting in the crossover between, you know, seeing my brother coming in the music world and record labels are to the music industry, what publishers are to the book industry, right? And so it used to be that the only way you sold books was to get into bookstores. The only way that you get into bookstores is to have a publishing deal, right? Because the publishers were the gatekeepers, but now it's a crazy stat. It's like 70% of all books sold are sold on Amazon and you don't need a publisher to publish on Amazon, right? And so that was the big kind of domino that fell, but then you're really just looking at, all right, royalty rates, how much does it cost and how long is it going to take? And then can I get a big advance and have a big audience? And that's kind of the only time it sometimes makes sense to traditionally publish. Otherwise, for 99.9% of people, it makes more sense to self-publish. The average person, correct me if I'm wrong, unless you have a ginormous email list and huge social media platform, that big royalty that people are thinking they're going to get from the publishers, it just doesn't exist. It doesn't. (laughs) I mean, so you're kind of trading off. So traditional publishing, the best analogy I've heard is it's kind of like a bank. You know, they say banks only lend money to people who don't need it, right? Well, publishers are, you know, for the most part, giving a deal to people who don't need a deal. And they're going to give you a big advance if you have a big audience and you've got to go through the whole agent process, shopping the book around, like kind of all that stuff, which for some people that makes sense, but you're essentially trading that off for a lower per book royalty, which maybe you care about that. Maybe you don't, but I mean, traditional publishing, eight to 12% per book, self-publishing 20 to as much as 70% on the digital per book, which I mean, so if you're actually going to move a lot of copies over a long period of time, then you'll be better off to self-publish for royalties. So people start coming to you and saying, okay, Chandler, how did you do this? I need your help. When did you realize, okay, I can actually teach people this formula? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of one of those things. So I ran multiple businesses in high school and college, and then I drop out, publish a couple of books, and I'm working on this business that's just totally failing. And meanwhile, people keep asking me about the book stuff. They're like, hey, how are you doing this? And so I just get on the phone for... 45 minutes an hour, tell people everything I knew for free just to be a nice person <laughs> and then just say, hey, you know, good luck with the book. And, but, you know, at a certain point, you can only get smacked so many times in the face and you turn around and look and there's this whole line of people. And meanwhile, you're working on the thing that no one cares about <laughs> and everyone cares about this thing. And then you say, hold up, we should do this. And so we did our first cohort of, I think it was 44 people and kind of brought in a class of students or what we would call students, people going through the online program, right? I think it was over 60% of them wrote and published a book and it was like six or seven months. And that was when it, for me, the confidence was there. I said, okay, I can sell this because this works. And this went from, I did this to like, I can actually help other people do it. And so then that was a big turning point. And then then we're kind of off to the races. Today, how many books personally have you self-published? Six books. What would you say is probably the biggest misconceptions that people have when it comes to self-publishing? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people think it's a backup plan. (laughs) It's like, oh, I can't get a publishing deal. I'll just self-publish, right? You know, and that's what it really used to be. It was like, oh, you can't get a traditional publishing deal. You should probably just self-publish. But really it's it's shifted and because, you know, self-publishing is now the preferred option for most authors. And really, the people who are making a lot of money from books, yes, some of them are traditionally published, but more and more, it's they're self-published. I mean, 
a friend of mine, Hal Elrod, wrote a book called The Miracle Morning. That book has sold millions and millions and millions of copies. And publishers approach him trying to buy the rights to that book. And he's like, all right, well, let's do some math. Okay, no. (laughs) I'm just going to keep selling books. I'm going to make way more than this one-time advance that you're going to give me. So it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's funny. The things that we believe to be true about certain industries, like writing a book, you know, and, and I think probably most people are pretty surprised to hear you say that if you're lucky, you may earn between eight to 12% of the book, if you're lucky. And that does not include the fact that you're, if you're with a major publisher, you're probably going to be required to hire a ghostwriter. You're probably going to be required to spend a lot of your own money on the marketing, the launch team. All those things are so expensive. I hate to say this because I don't want to discourage anybody who's got a publishing deal, but unless you're really, really smart about this, it can be a losing proposition. But self-publishing gives you a lot more freedom, a lot more control. But what are the things that you think authors, if they're just thinking about the sale of the book as being the moneymaker or the catalyst for their business, what's the piece that they're missing? (laughs) So this is the part I'm really passionate about is... How do you use a book to grow? I mean, we look at it. How do I use a book to grow my impact, my income, and my business if I have one, right? And so, you know, this, I get fired up about this stuff, but, you know, I believe that books change lives, right? So books change the life of the reader and books change the lives of the author. It's not about the book. It's about who you become in the process of writing and publishing the book, right? And so you're creating, I call this leveraged impact, and it's the ability to do work once, create this book. And then that book goes on to impact thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even millions of people, right? And so it's kind of, instead of one-to-one, it's one-to-many impact. But then with that, and I think this is what I think you're kind of alluding to, is with that also comes the ability to grow your business from the book. I mean, you're a great example of this, and you've done this with your books, but I look at it as how do we use strategically use this book to get more leads, more sales, and more referrals for my business? And so more leads, these are people who hear about me because of this book, right? So think, I mean, a simple example that a lot of people know, ClickFunnels with Russell Brunson's books, right? They've heard of the book. They would not have heard of ClickFunnels until they read the book. And then that's more leads. And then more sales is how to use the book so that more people that know about you do business with you because of the book, right? So I'm integrating this into free plus shipping funnels, into webinar funnels, into sales appointments, like They know about me, but now they're more likely to do business with me. And then the third piece that I look at is how do we use the book to drive more referrals? And so how do I give every, you know, two copies of my book to every prospect or customer and say, hey, here's one for you. And here's one for someone else, you know, who needs help with X, Y, Z, right? Whatever your book helps people with. And so now all of a sudden you're turning a customer into an active referrer because they're not going to give out your business card. They're probably going to throw the business card away, right? But this is a 3 or $4 business card that they will then hand to someone else. Or maybe it's on their desk and somebody sees it and they say, oh, that looks interesting. And they're like, oh, cool. Take it. <laughs> you can have my copy. And, and so now all of a sudden you've got, you know, it's a long-winded answer, but I call it like a little silent salesman. Like the book is just going out in the world, bringing back leads, sales, and referrals for your business. And for the new entrepreneur, that's I think an obstacle in the way that we think. I oftentimes will hear entrepreneurs say, like, I can't afford to run an ad or I can't afford advertising right now. I can't afford any marketing. But what I think we're missing is 
oftentimes if you want to scale, you've got to pay to play. You know, when you, yeah. you look at your cost of acquisition and yes, of course you are paying for that book and the shipping of that book, but at a, a reduced rate, obviously. And if you look at the cost to acquire a customer on Facebook, you know, it could cost you just depends on the industry and how competitive it is, but anywhere from $10 to $90 and upwards, depending on what your business model looks like. But it's evaluating, all right, how can I make this profitable? The other piece that I want you, so you mentioned those three ways. What category does it fall into when I see authors using their book as their freemium or their lead magnet, where maybe you get the book for free or you just pay for shipping? And then what they'll offer to you is an upsell, like an, maybe it's an additional course or training or some type of live seminar. Yeah. So there's kind of two paths there. So all right, I'm using a book as a lead magnet on my website. And then there's, I'm using a book to acquire customers through like a free plus shipping book funnel, which I think a lot of people like to hate on free plus shipping book funnels, like as from the standpoint of like, oh, there's no way those work anymore, right? That's just been around for so long. There's the classic phrase. It's like, as a marketer, you get tired of your marketing years before your prospects get tired of it. And so it's like, we just tend to switch it up just because we're bored, but the market's not actually bored and it works for a reason, right? There's an inherent value when the book is inherently valuable, right? And so the book needs to be good. And that's, I think that's obvious, but what you're doing is you're saying, Hey, this is a 15, $20 book. I'll give it to you for free. Just pay shipping and handling. And a lot of times it's, I mean, it's one of the best funnels that we have at self-publishing school for bringing in customers because people, they get the book, they pay shipping and handling. And then one the way that we do it to use it to grow our business is, you know, I'll just say on the thank you page, I'll say, Hey, I'm going to ship you this book the books can be really helpful. Here's the thing. What the book can't do is customize the information for you, but we can. So why don't you scroll below this video, book a call with my team. If you're serious about this, book a call with the team. Let's put together an implementation plan for your book. Only if you're motivated, only if you're, you know. And so then now all of a sudden that funnel, I mean, people are booking calls, they're signing up for self-publishing school or they don't. And that's totally fine too. But then they get the book, they read the book, and a lot of times then they'll circle back, book a call, sign up for self Like So it's, it's this Trojan horse to bring in people into the ecosystem. And in the same way, when I go speak places, we'll either build it into the speaking contract or just bring books for free. Mm. And then now all of a sudden when I speak, I give everyone a copy of the book. And so my book is everywhere at wow. these events. And so people are seeing it and they're like, hold up, what's that? And, and you know, maybe we have a booth there or something. And so now all of a sudden it just, people are talking to the team and it's just, it helps us convert more customers, right? And so that works well. I also, I like to, in the beginning of my book, I give away the audiobook for free because I want people to actually listen to it. And so one little thing that we do that's kind of cool is you've seen like the look inside feature where you can preview the book. Yes. So I give away my audiobook in the beginning of the book so people can click look inside on Amazon and they can actually opt in for the book without even purchasing the book. Dude. So for me, that's, I'm getting paid to get leads, tons of leads. That right there just blew my mind. That is next level, <laughs> next level. Yeah. So a couple of things, like my mind is just rushing right now and recognizing some things that we need to do differently, especially like, cause I've been thinking lately, like what book would I enjoy writing next? And from everything you've just outlined, the real process is what's the right book 
to publish? Like, what is the book that yeah. makes sense in my customer's journey? Yes. Not like, what am I excited about? Like, because you can find any part of your business you're excited about, but the reverse engineering of that process is probably where I would have gone wrong if I was just going like, what excites me? What should I write mm. about next? Mm. If I really want to think about this in terms of how to serve my customer, I've got to think about their journey, not mine. Yeah. You know, another thing you mentioned is how a really well-crafted book is going to lead the reader to want more. Yeah. Right. And so you mentioned Russell Brunson. Who do you see as someone who's done a really great job of this to use their book as like, I need mm. more? Yeah. So many great examples. And, and so I want to actually back up and speak to something that you mentioned, and then I'll come back to this. So, yeah. but you just mentioned the piece about asking your customer. And that's where yeah. I think it's, whether it's for you or anyone listening, watching is what are the questions that your customers are already asking mm. and write a book on that. And so mm. ask your sales mm. and marketing team, like what are the broken record conversations that we keep having with every new client or every new mm. prospect? And maybe it's misconceptions that they have. It's the pain point that they have. And like, the best way to stop talking about it is to write a book on it and then just point people to that thing. Right? And so that's where a lot of times you can find what that thing is. And then now all of a sudden it's going to grease the wheels on the sales process. So your conversion rates on all your sales and marketing will go up. I mean, there's very tactical things like, okay, if you show up for the webinar and stay to the end, I'll give you a free copy of my book, right? So now you're boosting your show up rate or whether it's a sales conversation or whatever that mechanism is. Like if you show up, we'll ship you a copy of the book. You know, like all those type of things that you can use in that process. But then not only that, but because you're answering the problems or pains that people have, it also helps with the onboarding process. <laughs> and so it saves your team so much time there because now all of a sudden, if someone comes into your business already knowing how you do business, the onboarding process is way easier and simpler. So you're saving your team time. And so kind of to circle all the way back and land the plane and answer the question that you asked is, I think people who have done this, there's so many examples, like this is a common, I mean, the root word of authority is author. <laughs> so most people that we you know, view as authorities in any space have oftentimes written a great book on that thing. So I think Brian Levesque has done a good job of it with his ask methodology. Mm -hmm. I think Tony Robbins has done a good job of it. And specifically, I think there were a couple of books he did a little while back on the financial process, but he had companies. Is that money power or... Yeah, Unshakable. And then there was one other one. And then also Mike Michalowicz has done a really good job of this, Profit First. Oh yeah, I've read that, the Audible. Yeah, but he launches businesses off of the back end of all of his books. Wow. And so he's got his Run Like Clockwork book. And then that book was a Trojan horse to launch that business. Profit First, same thing. And he's got Profit First Professionals. And so, I mean, there's so many examples of folks who've used this. The one that comes to mind for me recently is, I always get the order wrong, brand story or story brand? Yeah. Story brand. Yeah, Donald Miller. Because I just remember every chapter, I was like, oh, look at this. He sent yeah. me back to the website. I'm like, this is brilliant. Yeah. We sure did book you know, the highest level of consultation with his yeah. company after I read the book because I just enough times I'm like, and I think that's hard for entrepreneurs, even when we think about creating freemiums and our programs and products. like We want to give them everything, but people aren't ready for everything 
And not every one of them is ready for the advanced level. And we think we have to overwhelm them. And we're often thinking of that one very critical customer who knows more than us and we're writing for them and we're creating programs for them. But that's not who our customer is. Our customer doesn't know our acronyms. They're just getting started. They need an on-ramp. And if we give them an on-ramp, you also want to give them a place to go. No doubt. And they want it. Like that's something that's helpful for them, right? Like how many times have you or I read a book and said, this is really good. Now, can I just pay this person? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I want to implement this, but I don't percent. have the time. <laughs> and so can I just pay, like, I get this process and I want this. And so that's what you're doing. And, and I don't think you have to like hold everything back. It's just teach the process. And my philosophy is, you know, give away all of your best stuff for free and people will pay you to tell it to them again. It's like, I want to teach the process and melt faces. And then they're thinking, okay, this is amazing. I want to work with Chandler. I want to work with self-publishing school, right? Well, speaking of which, I know that there are people right now who are feverishly writing down the title to their next book or first book, maybe. And what you've created is a company that basically helps people successfully write and also publish themselves their first book. Generally speaking, if you can be frank, what should we anticipate this process? How long should we anticipate it taking? Yeah. So it's kind of all over the map. It depends how disciplined you are. If you're going (laughs) like the traditional path, it's a minimum of two years. If you self-publish on your own, it might take a year. It might take a decade. Like there is some power in the manuscript Mm, deadline mm, when you're with a publisher, right? Let's just pretend that my book's already written. Let's just pretend. Oh, cool. So if your book is already written, then you're going through the editing and production process. And then that could take, I mean, three to nine months. Like it doesn't have to take that long once you've got it written. For most people, the longest part is the zero to draft piece. But I want to say it's been a little bit since we pulled these stats, but I want to say it's about 60, 70% of people we work with, they'll actually write it and publish it in inside of a year. You can move pretty quickly with it. And what part of that takes the longest other than the writing? <laughs> other than the writing, that's definitely the part that takes the longest. But I would say that the editing part, and there's a crisis of meaning <laughs> where, you know, it's like the creative process of this is going to be amazing. This is fun. Hold up. I this is it. hard. <laughs> this sucks. I suck. Why yeah. am I doing this? Yeah. Wow. That was awesome. <laughs> right. Oh, that's it's the so whole true. creative process. But so I think for a lot of people, it's the first time you read what you've written and you think, who wrote this? this oh my gosh. Idea. So true. So that part, the editing people can really bog down. Yeah, that is so, so true. Now, I know you help people self-publish. Does that include self-publishing their own audio rights or audible rights? Yeah, we certainly help with that. So kind of what I recommend is, well, I recommend publishing all three formats. For some Mm. people, it's a little bit intimidating and time-consuming to do all three at once. Mm. So kind of the order that I recommend is ebook, then print, then audio. And the cool thing about that is that Well, because when you finish that process, you're going to sell more copies of your book and you're going to make more money because people just buy different formats. And there's a lot more money, as you kind of, you probably know, in the audiobook side of things, right? So just publishing that additional format will sell more copies and make more money from the book. But the reason I like doing it like that as well is that you have kind of three separate launches. So it's an excuse to talk about the book again. That's so so true. Just staggering it, it's you just keep building momentum and, you know, it's, I call this, it's like the sports car approach versus the Toyota Camry. Most people launch books like sports cars. This is like, 
it's sexy, it's flashy, but shoo, it's gone, gone <laughs> to flash. Yeah. Like all this effort in one week and then you never hear about it again and the book yeah. doesn't sell. Right. Yeah. But I like to take the Toyota Camry approach, which obviously if you know anything about Toyota Camry, those things just keep going and going you and going. 300,000 miles. <laughs> so it's how do you keep the book sales going beyond the launch? And that's, I mean, that's just one small way to keep talking about it with multiple launches and kind of have that longer tail on the book. Okay. Well, Chandler, where can my audience go if they are sold, but they need that guidance from an expert team like yours? Sure. Yeah. Check us out at self-publishing school. You can go to self-publishingschool.com forward slash apply. If you want to book a call with our team, we're happy to chat through kind of goals for your book, challenges with your book, next steps. How do you put a plan together? And we can see if we can help you. Can I just say, as someone who has ADHD and familiar with the way you guys lay things out, and I told you this before we started recording, when I got my hands on your materials, I was like, this is how my brain needs things laid out. Like This is so clear and so easy to follow. And it feels like published by number, like paint by number Mm. for books. Like Mm. It is really, I don't know how much I assume you have a lot to do with that design. And, and as we talked about, like when you struggle to focus, when you struggle to make sense of things, you become a, a, someone who's really good about making things clear and mm. simplifying processes. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to say hats off because I, I told you, I was like blown away. This stuff is amazing. So really, thank you so much for sharing everything you have today for the listeners of Build Your Tribe. I hope you guys will go check it out. Again, it's self-publishingschool. Dot com. And Chandler, where can they connect with you? Where are you most active on social? Yeah. So you're a bajillion times better at social than I am, but I'm, <laughs> I'm on Facebook. That's it. I'm, okay. I'm old school. Um, All right. So you can check me out on Facebook. What about the podcast? Oh yeah. Self-publishing school podcast. Is it, so I got kind of like self-publishing school podcast. That's the main place. If you want to learn things about books, check out Shalene. We just had an awesome interview there. But then also I've got this seven figure principles podcast. It's kind of a Ah. fun, fun little side project. It kind of, in my friend group, I'm the operations nerd, like Mm -hmm. in a a realm of a lot of visionary entrepreneurs, I'm kind of like the ops Mm. guy. And so that's where I teach a lot of just scaling business. And there's no business there. That's just kind of a fun. That's amazing. How many episodes do you produce? Is that like once a week? It's two times a week and we're kind of running out of episodes, but and so it's more of just a side thing, but it's yeah. a lot of things like, okay, building a team. How do you run a quarterly offsite? How do you hire a players? Like all the, it was, I made it because it was all the things that my entrepreneur buddies would ask me because mm-hmm. I'm like the ops guy. It's like, Hey, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you start building the sales team? And so it's just a bunch of fun episodes on stuff like that. Well, clearly your brain thinks in systems and I love that. <laughs> need that clarity. Thank you again. Super fun chatting with you. And I really hope that everyone will go, listen, you got a book in you and you need it for your business. And now you can think about it more strategically and reverse engineer the right book for your audience. Thank you so much, Celine. Absolutely. Absolutely. 